Draft House Dithers, a podcast where a couple of friends sit down and discuss whatever fancies them over a couple of good drinks. Uh, I'm Brian. Today I'm drinking a Leinenkugel's Watermelon Shandy. I'm Tiffany. I'm drinking a Leinenkugel's Berry Vice. And I'm Ethan, and I'm drinking a Cider Boys Peach County Apple Peach Hard Cider. So how's everybody doing tonight? You know, I was pretty good. Um, it's uh, lovely, warm, and sunny here in North Dakota. Uh, definitely isn't a freaking blizzard outside. So, it's great. I don't know. It looks nice to me. It looks like a nice, shot, soft, warm sheet fresh out of the dryer. Must be wonderful. <laughs> that is good. Just stuffing my face full of pizza. What kind of pizza? Well, I'm glad you asked, Brian. It is a thin crust from Domino's. No cheese, because I'm a vegan. Uh, one side has vegetables, so uh, some green pepper, red pepper, black olives and mushrooms, and onions. The other side, I did... Uh, pineapple and green olive. Got the idea off of Deadpool. It sounded disgusting, but is in fact delicious. That will be my pizza of choice from now on. If you haven't tried the, it, bet, try it. I bet the sweet and the salty. Yeah, no, it on. is yeah. really good. It sounded disgusting, but I was like, I'm curious. And I tried it, and I that is my pizza from now on. How are you today, Brian? I'm good. I've been doing almost nothing all day. That sounds like a lovely day. Yep. Except for shoveling a half inch of snow. <laughs> yeah, it probably was pointless, honestly. It's covered again. Yeah. So. so. Alrighty then. You want to take it away there, Brian? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, today we're going to be discussing um, police brutality or the misuse of police force, either by private organizations or citizens. And uh, the idea kind of struck me because of the United Airlines incidents with um, Dr. I had his name here. Dr. David Dow, the man who got roughed up and dragged off a United flight because he wouldn't give up his seat to an United employee. Hmm. All right, so you don't really fly very much, right? I haven't flown in years. Okay. I fly pretty fairly regularly, like probably maybe like once a year. And when I was younger, it used to be more than that. I'd go visit family and whatnot. And every time, they always overbook. And I've never flown on United. I always fly Delta. Um, But when they do have it, they will give you, they're supposed to give you up to like $1,200 or something like that. And they stopped offering it $800. And you're supposed to tell people it's overbooked. And get the seats arranged before you board the plane. And that was a huge mix-up and mistake on United's part. Like, a hu- you you don't put people on the plane and be like, get off for your crew members. Should have figured that out before, and your crew members should not get seats over paying customers. That's just my opinion. Make your crew members stand in the back. I mean, there's safety reasons that you can't do that, but, I mean, I get your point. It would have been cheaper for them, especially with all the PR and stuff, for those... Uh, um, employees just to like drive to wherever they needed to get to but at, at the same time I do see the point that like someone should have offered to give up their seat so um, what they did was wrong you shouldn't physically drag somebody off a plane and bash their face in like that so I've, I've told you both about Nate Silver before I'm basically a giant fangirl for Nate Silver he is the uh, genius mind behind the baseball statistic Pakoda which kind of revolutionized baseball and now the head of what's called 538. It's generally just like a statistics blog. Um, they tend to apply statistics to sports, politics, stuff like that. Anyways, um, he tweeted after the whole incident talking about how... Talking about how um, all airlines overbook and all of them occasionally have to involuntary deboard. Occasionally. But his point was that Almost every airline is way better than United is. So, uh, let me see here. Yeah. Um, actually, it appears that ExpressJet is the worst. 
at uh, 1.28 involuntary deboardings per 10,000 passengers. Uh, our favorite, uh, our local, you know, well-known standby, Delta, is actually 0.1 per 10,000. So uh, his point was just that, like, the good airlines are more aggressive at being like, hey, we need someone off this plane. Here's some free, you know, some free stuff. So. I mean, I have a coworker who flies and he flies with the intention that he's going to be delayed by a day and waits till they start auctioning off since all airlines overbook all of their flights, waits till they offer some money and he hasn't paid for a flight in years because he can just keep flying for free because they always, he's always, he always volunteers and takes the voucher. And that's pretty smart. What does he do when he doesn't get one? I, it hasn't happened for a long time, so I don't know. I assume he would just pay for the flight, but pretty, I don't know, I think it's a really good idea. And I mean, someone like, oh, if they ever found out he's doing that, they're going to like, you know, not let him do it. He's saving you money, so I don't know what your problem is. You're, and I don't understand the overbooking. I know you told me that if they didn't overbook, they would go broke. But here's That's what the, they say. I don't think that's true. But here's the thing. You get my money. Tickets, like plane tickets are non-refundable, non-transferable. If you don't show up for your flight or you miss that flight, you're screwed and they still get your money. So I don't really see how you're losing money by all you're doing. Because if you do um, overbook and then you have to give someone a voucher or like, you know, give them X amount of dollars, you're spending more money that way anyway. You have to put them up in a hotel and all that stuff. Like that's got to be way more expensive than just not overbooking the flight in the first place. Yeah. And for a domestic flight, I wouldn't really care. But when I'm going overseas, like, I paid a lot of money for the hotel or resort or wherever we're going overseas. And so that's, you're costing me a full day of my vacation. That's a problem for me. If I'm just, I don't know, flying somewhere for some other thing, I guess I wouldn't care that much. Especially getting home. Regardless of how stupid overbooking is, I think it is a whole other stretch more stupid to call the police in to rough up a passenger. Absolutely. I think that's what Brian wants to focus on. That's kind of the the point I was getting at, too. Like, the overbooking, yeah, that's that's an issue, whatever. Businesses do all sorts of stupid shit in the auspices of... language. Sorry. Pardon my French. I stopped one earlier today and... On this po- very podcast. You know, so. I started anyway. off this podcast with like no swearing, but now we're just like, ah, fuck it. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Then, then we have to put a, you know, adult content warning on our, on our podcast. There are five-year-olds that say the F word. Anyway, Brian, what were you saying? The point is that no business should be allowed to use the police as an arm of their own private security. If a customer has paid for the service you are providing, you may not then immediately take that service away from them involuntarily beat them up and have them dragged off a plane. (laughs) I mean, like I said, someone else should have given up their seat, but like they shouldn't have resorted to violence for it. Just keep upping the voucher or find somebody else to give up their seat, but don't physically like harm a passenger like that. Like, I don't know if you saw his face. It was like nose was bashing. He was bleeding from the face. And then they tried to be like, oh, he fell. (laughs) He didn't fall. They dragged him and smashed his face so How he many, stopped struggling. You basically, like, karate chopped his face into the armrest. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you thought was going to happen. Yeah, there are multiple videos from multiple angles of this man being, you know, basically beaten by the police and dragged out of this plane because he refused to give up the seat he paid for. Yeah, that's now, ridiculous. Now, my memory of the video isn't quite as sharp as it was, you know, when it happened, but I also seem to recall a good, like, fist to the midsection at some point, yeah, too. Yeah, um, I believe a fractured rib was also one of the things. Yeah, I suffered. thought I saw that, so... That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about Europe for a second. Okay. Because Europeans have been all over this telling us about how much better their, you know, life is than ours. Um, businesses over there are much more strictly required to, you know, observe things they've sold to people. 
So, like, I don't think they can even do deboardings in Europe. I don't think they're allowed. Basically, if you pay for the ticket, you know, you have a right to use it. So that's just kind of the way it is when you have paid for something that thing becomes yours if you pay for a service like a seat on a flight that seat is yours until the fl- you know until the flight is concluded and you're at your destination also there's something very frightening unless you break some rule like if you're being like a complete nuisance they should be able to remove you from the plane well yeah there's like that one stupid kid that was doing it for like youtube views I mean, he would intentionally speak like very aggressively in Arabic and they'd be like, oh, they're being racist. Like, you're intentionally trying to scare people. Like, fuck you. I'm sorry. My language. It just it infuriates me that, I mean, people who are Muslim or even just Arabic in general have enough problems with people being afraid of them and then you're going to make it worse for some shitty YouTube views? No. Warning. The content you are about to hear is intended for mature audiences only. Sorry. Parental discretion is advised. Sorry. I just, I like doing that. Voices, so it's a little late, but eh. <laughs> fuck it. There you go. So uh, there's also something kind of frightening about a business, you know, utilizing the police force as a a way to cheat someone out of their money. Yeah, right. It's it's get it's to the point where if you know United gets away with this, any airline could then theoretically do this. Use the police as a means of oh, we just. We need room on this flight. Let's just drag a few people off of it, despite the fact that they already paid for their tickets and are doing nothing wrong. I mean, I feel fairly confident they're not getting away with this. At the very least, I'm pretty sure Mr. Doctor Man is going to walk away with a gigantic money settlement. Good. And that's, you know, I'm surprised they didn't settle with him already. Because... Then he can buy his own private jet and doesn't have to worry about this exactly. anymore. And I mean, if the reason they probably haven't settled is because, at, like I just said, they're probably hoping they can get some precedent out of this. If They're not going to. Maybe their lawyers are bad. I don't know. Uh, it's possible he hires a bad lawyer, but I think any lawyer half worth their salt is going to get that he's going to get paid. I meant United's lawyers are bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's possible, but usually lawyers, I mean, they're not usually like straight up incompetent, especially when they work for a giant corporation. And usually if they're being forced to do something that seems illogical or stupid to other you know, people in the legal profession, it's usually because their client is forcing them to do it. Do you think United is trying to force force the issue to lower the settlement at the very least? Well, considering their CEO, the man with the power to tell the lawyers what to do, uh, you know, his first response was to blame the man, and he's now saying that he uh, acted violently before the incident that was videotaped. Um, actually, video, um, I saw, I found a source here, a video surfaced of him boarding the plane perfectly orderly and not doing anything. Oh, that's beautiful. Walking. Because was it me gate. that was telling you earlier today that I think that what they were going to say is that he got violent on the jetway before there were witnesses? Yeah, no, there is video of him walking through the jetway, <laughs> just walking. That's so. great. Yeah, they can't do that now. Um, yeah, I don't know what leg they have to stand on here because, um, tort laws? You know, uh, the laws of personal injury are much stricter for what's called a common carrier, a.k.a. a transportation company or something of the like. And they have a very high, strict duty to maintain the safety and health of their passengers. And they're hosed. They're so screwed. Uh, They need to settle this right now. Not only because they're going to get ruined in court, but because they're also, you know, look at the ridiculously bad press. I think their best move right now is to just make this go away. Just make it go away and pretend like it never happened. Settle it, make an apology, and then pretend like it never happened. We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. Oh, it's too bad the South Park was on a break when this happened. 
I'm uh, sure it'll make next season though. Oh, uh, it'll come up. It <laughs> will. There will be some moment where a you know, middle-aged Asian man gets the piss beaten out of him on a plane. That'll be Randy. Oh, I thought. <laughs> sorry, I thought this was America. <laughs> uh, no, it's you know good that we can laugh about a grown man getting maimed on an say, airplane. You know, you know why it's funny? Because <laughs> a it didn't happen to us, and b. Some people are saying it's a racial thing. I don't think it is. But since we're talking about police brutality, we are white, white, and mostly white. Uh, We are pretty lucky that, you know, we're not going to, we're less likely to face, like, unnecessary violence. I'll also point out that the police around here, I don't think, ever deal with. The one time I saw them on, like, a chase, like, they were chasing after, three of the four squad cars didn't know what they were doing. Like, they had to make multiple U-turns while I sat here at the light watching them. So, I, our police aren't the sort to be overly violent, I would think. It's but tough. Be- there, there's two cops that I've interacted with that have just been complete jerks. And I'm not going to even describe them because you would clearly know who they were because they're a little distinctive. But any other interaction I've ever had with the cops, which is very limited because I don't get in trouble because I'm afraid of authority. But um, <laughs> they've always been very nice to me. So, I mean... I don't know. I've never had a bad interaction with a cop. Well, you know me. I'm not one to easily come down on one side of an argument or another. And I think that a lot of these situations of police brutality occur because you have a police officer that is overly frightened of something, whether valid or not, and then they overreact because of their fear. And that's actually a sentiment I have had described to me by a law enforcement relative as well, that sometimes when you are stopping someone or you're involved in an altercation with someone, you don't know if they've got a gun in the waistband of their pants, you know, under the seat. Um, I mean, I doubt the guy had a gun on a United Air flight. Probably but, okay, not. Okay, but didn't, wasn't that, wasn't there a case where, like, a black kid was shot by a cop and he, like, had his hands up and, like, they shot him in the back or something like that? Are you scared for your life at that point? Because I don't think so. And I'm also not saying there aren't any racists in law enforcement either. I feel like a lot of the police brutality is, is from just cops that are a racist or b just power mad do you know what i mean i think the majority of the well publicized police brutality cases are the ones that are just clearly racist maybe not though because michael brown if you remember that case vaguely yeah so i i think that was a clear-cut case of the cop you know responding with lethal force because he was uh, totally afraid for his life you, know? you have to remind me of that incident. Okay, so... the name sounds familiar, but I can't yeah, recall the name. And, you know, forgive me if I fudge any of the details, but if I remember right, uh, Michael Brown was wanted for, like, a, a convenience store theft. Okay. Um, the officer, who was in his squad car alone, sees him walking down the street and pulls up to him and says, you know, hey, can you come talk to me for a second? And if I remember right, and it's not, you know, not 100% that I do... Uh, Michael Brown reached inside the car and started attacking the officer. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, in that case, the officer clearly, you know, would fear. Right, but it became a big thing because he used lethal force and the kid didn't have a gun or a knife or anything. But the thing is, just because you don't have a knife or a gun doesn't mean that you can't do serious or fatal damage with just your hands. And that's 100% correct. But there's a lot of people out there who only watch movies and television with and the think cop that white and, and Michael Brown yes, is black. That's is correct. That right? Yep. See, and what I, I really have a problem with, and this goes for anything, not just police matters, is anytime someone tries to bring race into something where maybe that actually had zero to do with it, um, 
I, this is slightly off topic, not really, but slightly, that we had a coworker that was just a piece of crap. And every time someone called him on it, he was like, it's cause I'm black. And I was like, no one cares what color you are. You're just an asshole. And I have a news for you. Figuratively and literally, assholes come in every color. So don't don't bring up the color thing when that has nothing to do with why we don't like you. We don't like you because you're a jerk. Yeah. Um, I actually really like the first episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia this season. <laughs> because at the, at, the, at the end of the episode, they pointed out somewhat astutely, it's very hard to tell the difference between, you know, I'm being an asshole and everyone hates me because I'm black. Which I'm sure was the point of the episode. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I am too, but like... So, I don't know. I mean, it's granted there, and I feel like I should bring up too. Um, there is a small but uh, well organized. I don't know if you want to call them white supremacist, white nationalist, neo-Nazi movement in the United States. It's been there for forty some years, ever since they were forced underground. Um, and I want to say it was 30 years ago or so they started telling people to move into positions of law enforcement. Or politics. Or, or politics, could. but I think it was mostly they wanted law enforcement. Um, does this have anything to do with uh, Craig Cobb, the guy that tried to take over small towns in North Dakota? And he's a similar, I think he's I probably, sure he was part of probably that affiliated. I was going to say, I don't think he was part of any organized effort. I think he was just crazy. Fun fact, if you have time, watch Welcome to Leith on Netflix. It's hilarious and and angering and i mean there are some people in there that just have such a strong north dakota accent and i was like those are my people like people who are just like so supportive of the other folk that live in that town that hate this guy too uh it's a really interesting documentary and he's actually back at it again oh you should watch it it's really good fun aside about that little case um he after his time in jail Got out and tried to buy additional uh, new property. I believe it was somewhere south of Bismarck. Yeah, we're like, nope. Um, the guy backed out of the deal before any official agreement was made, and Cobb decided to sue the man, claiming he was being racist. <laughs> no, I mean, you're just was, a dick. Was, was he a different race than Cobb? No. <laughs> Even better. I mean, it's still possible to legally affect racism on someone if you're the same race. But it seems substantially more unlikely. No, he's just uh, complaining because he didn't get what he wanted. From what I understand about the case, Cobb made a single inquiry about buying property because the property was for sale. I believe the person selling did a little background check and decided, nope, I'm not selling to this person. Has there been any developments in that case that you're aware of? Uh, not that I'm aware of, no. Yeah, that's uh, the, the last, last thing I saw. Oh, actually, I saw something about like a church that Cobb owned was burned down. I think... That was in the paper. Yeah, every building he's bought in North Dakota has been burned down. So. <laughs> and I mean, this is one of those times where I'm like, vigilante justice is bad, but this guy really, really sucks, and I don't feel bad for him. And I know vigilante justice is bad, and we should, and you know, we shouldn't be okay with it, but this is one of those times where I'm like, yeah, you kind of got what you deserve. I don't really feel bad for you. So, anyway, police brutality. <laughs> Keep getting off so topic, I'm sorry. So, I, I want to go back, because I never got to make my second point yeah. on... Um, Frightening that businesses can use the police to, you know, essentially cheat someone out of money or in some cases, you know, health. Yep. <laughs> um, it, it reminds me of businesses or powerful individuals using the police to bust up what are other otherwise ordinarily peaceful protests. I was actually thinking about, um, I was going to bring up Occupy Wall That's Street. That's exactly what I was thinking in, of. 
at first, you know, there's people. I mean, yeah, they weren't the type of people you normally see on Wall Street. Whatever. They, they have every right to assemble. Peacefully. Peacefully. And protest. And they were slowly but surely, you know, driven back, cordoned off in a park by the police who set up barricades and literal mobile watchtowers. Yeah. Well, and the right to peaceful assembly is sort of like the least ultimate of all of your First Amendment rights. That's the one with the most, you know, available restrictions. They're allowed to restrict you based on time and place. (laughs) They're allowed to restrict you if they think you're going to turn violent. But I don't think there was any solid evidence that that was an inconvenient protest or that it was, you know, violent or otherwise a nuisance. I believe very early on when they were literally outside the stock exchange, that makes sense. they were blocking passage. And that, you know, I can understand moving them aside. But when they were in the park, literally out of everybody's way, they weren't blocking paths. They couldn't block paths. They needed the paths to move around their own camp. Anybody else could walk through that as well, but the police wouldn't let you. You couldn't right. go in. You couldn't go out. Yeah. I just... That it's a situation that worries me that when someone has more influence than I do can, you know, basically sick the police on you. That's not very cool. No, and it, again, locally, I don't think that's an issue. I've never noticed it. Well, how many protests do you see around here? Obviously, we had one huge one. Yeah, and it, you know, kind of fizzled like everything it else. It didn't fizzle. Everyone was arrested. Wait, which one? The one in... I'm talking about the North Dakota um, oh, yeah, access the, pipeline. The access pipeline. Yeah, that one was that was a muddy situation, and I'm, I definitely think the tribes kind of got the short end of the stick on that one. I mean, again, they were all arrested and then blamed for leaving, you know, a dirty campsite. Yeah. They were literally kicked over and, you know, put in cuffs. Yep. That whole thing infuriates me because one of my best friends is from Standing Rock, so that's, like, extra infuriating to me. And I know that, and then, again, this is off topic, I apologize, um, that some people are like, oh, they just try to renegotiate for more money, and that's, you know, that's what happened. But there are people that are, in fact, literally concerned that their water is going to be contaminated. And that is why the pipeline got rerouted yeah. south of Bismarck instead of north, because everybody in Bismarck was like, well, I don't want a pipeline up or upstream from us. Yes, Exactly. So, I mean, but there's a long, healthy history of white people getting things that annoy them moved. So Yeah. It's also a very long history of white people uh, taking advantage of and shitting all over Native people. That's literally how this country was built. So uh, No, according to official legal doctrine, because we're Christian and we found it first, it's ours. Because people living here didn't find it first, right? That's what literally the legal doctrine is. Because they, we were Christian and European and we found it first. The specific, kind of the specifics of that was that when the earliest explorers came here, they didn't recognize Native American agriculture as being agriculture because it didn't no, look they like. Knew. That's the thing. It didn't look like their agriculture. But by the laws of England. But yeah, by the laws of England. Because we were Christian and European, it was ours because anyone else does not have a claim. You have to correct that. They were Protestant Christian. Oh, no, 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 no. If it would have been Catholics, if it had been Spain, that was okay. It's true. But specifically in the 13 colonies, Catholics weren't looked on very favorably either. Also... You know, this podcast, especially this one, is going to get us accused of being liberats. Why is that? Oh, I just saw that on another, uh, as a review to another podcast lately, they called them liberats and, you know. I don't know what a liberat is, but I assume it's a liberal that you disagree with. Yeah, well, pretty much. Yeah, essentially just comparing liberals to rats. Nice. Anywho. Yes. So, back on topic. Police brutality. 
It's wrong and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yes, you all of you who are not police officers should not uh, participate in police brutality. But <laughs> <laughs> Excellent job, Ryan. Yep. It's just, you know, we go back to this issue where if any one business is allowed to get away with, you know, mobilizing the police to act as, you know, their own personal security, other businesses can start doing it too, you know. We could go back setting to, a bad precedent for right. sure. And then that can that leads kind of into the discussion of, you know, what is America becoming a police state? Do the police have too much power? Do they, you know... Too little oversight. Are they still answerable to the public, to the people, or are they their own organization side? Well, I almost wonder if the, you know, we'll call it the science of policing hasn't improved since the 80s, and I wonder if that's the issue. What do you mean by the science of policing? So, like, in the 80s, we started the war on drugs. And you'll note that that's a very aggressive way to describe, you know, dealing with it. in fact, the war on black people, but continue. Yeah, but, you know, it's a very aggressive way to describe what should just be, you know, a organized strategic movement to try and stop the proliferation of drugs in America. And, you know, I lost my point. Do you know where I was going with that? Um, That the doctrine of police. Oh, right, right. Okay. So, yeah. Basically, we have a lot of people in charge of the police departments who refuse to take advantage of, call it modern social science, to learn about what they could be doing more effectively. And Because we've seen that in a few different areas in society where we have a lot more information now than we did 20, 30, 100 years ago, and people just refuse to use it entirely. Um, education is another bad spot for this. Uh, especially the higher up you go in education, the less likely we are to see the new modern educational policies that actually work and make sense. Law school being a prime example. Uh, yeah, I would. I would, can't really speak to experience in that. Uh, ever ever since my time, just one year now of a history major, and I've got to say I'm exceedingly happy with the way they do it. It's still mostly lecture, but it's different than what I remember even four years ago from my lectures. So. And I do think it is creeping into higher ed now. Um, I first recall people talking about sort of like the new science of education when I was a junior in high school. Um, But I haven't seen it anywhere except for a specific department at the university I went to for undergrad. That isn't there anymore. Yeah, that they recently eliminated. So Budget cuts! Yay! Budget cuts. Yay. In a state that... Never mind. We'll we'll avoid that topic. Economics, We're already political enough. Say, economics is a discussion for a different podcast. I was going to talk about economics. I was going to talk about the stupidity of not spending money when you have it. But anyways, continue on. Well, so you know, we my worry becomes the, the when the police, the doctrine of policing hasn't changed too much. They're still focused on this very specific thing. The you know the war on drugs that's kind of what their entire doctrine and their strategy is based on, despite the fact that society in a lot of ways has changed. For instance, it's at this point pretty well known that the war on drugs, specifically each drug targeted, was meant to target a specific ethnic minority. What are you implying that the war on drugs had untoward uh, you know untoward motives? Yes. Didn't you just call it the war on black people? 
I sure did. Because here's the thing. The sentence for like crack, which is like a lower, cheaper form of cocaine, I believe it's not as processed, which is used mostly by African-Americans, carries like a way more severe penalty than coke, which is used by like, you know, rich white folk. Not just that, but opium Mm. used by the Chinese. Um, Marijuana was actually meant to, was targeted specifically to hit Hispanics, although now everybody apparently smokes marijuana, so. Especially in Colorado and uh, Washington. Yes. So we can can see the legalization of marijuana being pushed for because now it's not just a minority who smokes it. It's the rich white kids. Exactly. I mean, we, we actually, here's a great example. We can talk about the policy of law enforcement using prime examples from Europe compared to the United States. Actually, that would be great. I don't know that much about European policing, but I know it seems to but, work. Uh, we can just talk in sort of general terms. Um, what is the point of law enforcement and the criminal justice system in America? Deter- defer- determined. De- as a deterrent? The, the law is meant to deter you from crime. Yeah, that's definitely true. That so is a very strong instructor told me it's a very strong element of the way we write our laws. But I'd argue there's another very strong motive in there as well, and I bet Brian can get it. Uh, it's actually not coming to me right now. Really? No. Oh, it's just to punish bad people. Okay, I was thinking a little more complicated than that. But yeah, no, our specifically <laughs> our incarceration system isn't meant to rehabilitate. It's meant to punish. Yep. Yeah, it's people very, who did bad things should rot in jail. It's very um. It's got that old Puritan, Puritan style punishment. We lock you up in a box and we leave you there until you change your mind about being a criminal. Of course, that's not what happens. And people just suffer more for you being in our prisons. Especially when they throw like first time like petty offenders in and like ruin their life, you know, because they got caught with a tiny bit of marijuana and you ruin the rest of their life because of that. Especially bad in areas with overcrowded prisons because they put the people who got caught smoking weed in with the lifetime drug dealers. And then, of course, when you get out and you're a felon, you can no longer get a job. So now but you met this really cool dealer who you met you someone up. who can hook you up with a job, even if it's a little below board. All of a sudden, you're a crack dealer. Yep. Whereas in Norway, as the example I remember reading about, their recidivism rate is almost zero, and their prisons are. In- I've heard them described more as like work camps, it- and not in the bad way. <laughs> <laughs> they're. You have been committed of a crime in Norway that is punishable by imprisonment. You are put up in what is essentially a tiny little one-room apartment. But it's not its not a smelly, you know, concrete cell. It's, you With know... piss and no mattress. Pretty much. It's... I've seen pictures. They're not... I wouldn't call them nice. They, they're still prison cells. But they're miles ahead of... Our Amer- for-profit prisons. Exactly. And the point oh, of that's these, a whole other issue. No, I know. And the point of them is to actually rehabilitate the criminal, to teach them that you don't have to be a criminal. What? Yeah. You, what? To, re, to, to build them up as a functioning member of society so when they're released, they go out, they find a job, they get an apartment, and they can live their lives without having to commit crime. Are, in fact, functioning members of society. Exactly. They look at it as their citizens aren't, you know, criminals that just need to be put away. These are human beings who need to be given a second chance and need to be given the tools to succeed. Whereas in America, you're a criminal. You're uh, bad. Get locked in the smelly box. In the box with you. We don't want to see you ever again. 
And, and to me, it kind of depends on the crime. If you're like, you know, a serial rapist, yeah, you need to rot for the rest of your life. You, there's no rehabilitating that. That is one um, topic I've heard brought up with Norway's uh, prison system specifically. I forget his name, but he shot up a camp in Norway. Was this a really big case? Famous? Yes. Killed a lot of people? Yep. Is it Anders Breivik? That, yep, that's the okay. name. Um, he's in the same, he's, he's never getting out of the prisons, but he is kept in a very, you know, comfortable living situation where most people think he should be locked in a tiny box where he can't even turn around and left to rot. So, you know, maybe along with the police doctrine in America, maybe there's this, I, w- I don't want to say pervasive, but this idea of vengeance against criminals. I mean, it depends on what you did. You know what I mean? If you're like, dealing marijuana which like i said i don't smoke but i don't think marijuana is really that big of a deal i mean they shouldn't be throwing the book at you for that but if you do something terrible you shoot up a school you're you're a rapist you do those kind of things you should yeah you need to be locked away why are you making that face i just found something out that made me so mad just continue okay no i mean that's my point and like that goddamn rapist brock turner like got nothing because he's a rich little white boy like that that kid should have been put away for a very long time Anders Breivik killed eight people by detonating a van and shot 69 people dead at the Workers' Youth League summer camp. Um, so he killed 77 people? Yep. He distributed a manifesto. Yep, I remember that. I've never read He it. laid out his worldview, um, talking about his opposition to Islam and blaming feminism for creating a European cultural suicide. What does that sound like? A neckbeard. No, it sounds like a certain political party we have in power in the United States right now. It is. He was. He was a. Not to be political or anything. <laughs> he was definitely a nationalist in the bad way. But my point is, these things that he were describe that he was describing are outright shocking and horrifying to me, and yet they're espoused mainline by like a slightly more conservative wing of a of a movement that's in you know the mainstream right now that is disgusting yeah it is absolutely and i just you know i we've talked about this in in a private before but i just feel like this is a the world had made a left-leaning shift overall and this is just the conservative response to it which has happened time and again throughout history when the world shifts left follow following that is inevitably a conservative like a backlash a counter i don't not necessarily conservative they called but, it white lash yeah, it's <laughs> it's just a, a backlash to this shift. It happens plenty of times. Um, oh, we talked about this in my one of my classes just a while ago. It was the uh, the concert of Europe. It was a bunch of kings getting together after the French Revolution, Revolution, saying we can't let these democratic revolutions happen in Europe. And these kings agreed to crack down on it because, well, you know, that keeps them in power. And just time and again, whenever there would be some sort of push for more liberal ideals, more democratic equality, there was inevitably a conservative response to that. More of an old-fashioned, authoritarian take on politics. And it just, it's a back and forth. And that just, I don't know, that happens throughout history. And I'm not, I'm not wondering if that's just what's happening right now. That doesn't make it right or good, but... A lot of people espousing the doom and gloom that this is the end of human society uh, are probably wrong. It's not the end. It's not doom and gloom. But I'm sorry. These views are disgusting and, you know, abhorrent to me. Yes, they are. Agreed. Absolutely. 
he cited amongst his many influences a Robert Spencer or Richard Spencer, my bad. Uh the guy who got punched in the face. You didn't did you not see this Twitter video, Tiffany? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, that's great. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I'm gonna show it to you after the podcast okay. is over. But uh, a gentleman uh describes himself as um the founding member of the alt right and a you know ardent white nationalist, um Holocaust denier and um anyways, um he was in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration of our esteemed new president. And was someone was interviewing him on the street. And as they interviewed him, someone in a mask walked up and clocked him right in the face. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. That sounds awesome. Also, an interesting uh, feature to notice about white nationalists in America. They all have a, unbelievably terrible haircuts. <laughs> I don't know why. They just do. They do. They don't they? uniform. I guess. I mean, I guess bad mustaches in the 40s. You know... And now it's bad haircuts. So, um, Another one of his influence that he named was a Dutch politician, Geert Wilders, who was just recently destroyed in an election. Thank, thank you, Netherlands. Thank you. You know, also uh, giving some hope out to France that France will also stem the tide of, you know, disgusting white France nationalism. France still has a chance. Um, they're not, what's her name, Le Pen. Le Pen, yeah. Um, she's currently the disfavored. To win, she's at, she is unbelievably unfavored to win. Yep, she's at, uh, I think the last thing is what we thought about our current quote unquote. Present. We did, we did. That's true, and a lot of people have brought that up. He had, uh, he was behind by about four points in national polls. Uh, she ended up winning by three points. Unfortunately, our election is not decided based on national polls. Well, I just, I, I just remember that night of we're like, oh, this is gonna be such a landslide, and we just watched in horror as he kept winning state after state. We're like, what? Is going on? Why is this? Happening? It's got to stop now. It just kept going. It's horrifying. It Seventy-five thousand votes was horrifying. the difference. Seventy-five thousand votes in the right states would have stopped it. Unfortunately, it's not how the votes broke out. And also not how the, we don't do it by popular vote. So, but my point is, is that that was a four-point national yep. spread. Um, Le Pen is expected to lose by thirty-eight. Holy I think crap. that's yep. That's the number I saw. Isn't she like their Trump-esque Yeah, she's candidate? exactly like their Trump-esque, except she's actually a politician. Oh, well, I mean, that's um, I, th- I think that's almost worse. It is, in a way, I mean... Because, I mean, if you've been nothing but, like, you know, an idiot reality star for years, I can see how maybe you'd be kind of, you know... Out there. Ignorant and stupid. Yeah. But, I mean, if you've been a politician and you're still that ignorant and stupid, like, oh. Comparing Woo. turds to turds right now. Yeah. Look- it's, it's literally a douche... And a turd sandwich. Yes. Le Pen, at the very least, unlike Trump, follows political decorum. And... To the barest extent. Okay. She made the... She made the traditional... From what I understand, according to people on Reddit, so take that as you will, (laughs) but she made the traditional response of stepping down as leader of her party while the election was going on, saying, you know, if I win, I will no longer be the leader of my party. I am here for all of France. That's kind of the message it's supposed to send. Okay. Even if that's not I what I mean, she... I think any French politician would do that because it's just how you do it. Right, exactly. I don't know anything about French politics. So Neither do I. This is, like I said... Oh, I know, is... I know a little bit. It's been a few years, but I did study it at one point. I know very little. Politics, in general, just tend to enrage me. So I, I try to keep up with the important stuff, but like I have no idea what's going on in France right well, now. Basically, so. the essence of what you need to know about France is that her opponent is basically the Clinton-Obama of France. She's okay. the center-left candidate. Uh, he is, I should say, Macron. He's also extremely young. Um, 
And every single other politician that was in the running, because they have more than two parties there, because they're a modern political system, uh, has endorsed him over the other one. Okay. Every single one, including the other conservative. Ouch. Okay. So, that's how France is going. Thank you, France. Somehow this deviated from a discussion on police brutality, though I, I, I bet I can understand why, to a discussion on modern fascism. And you know what? It's because fascism and police brutality are very closely related. They are. The... It's just the, the idea of a, a police state, an authoritarian state, the police, instead of becoming um, public defenders, like they're supposed to be, ser- you know, servants of the public wi- will, become an arm of the government's oppression. And going back to the United Airlines thing even, and it's not government-led oppression yet, yet. it's corporate oppression. Corporate, you know, the corporate will to, we want to do what we're going to do in the name of making money screw you guys, get off our plane. And then they get to use the the police, who are publicly funded, to do it. Meaning your tax dollars pay for police brutality. Excellent! Well, and I think that's something we can probably discuss, is I, I honestly feel like that police departments are a little too heavily protected from consequences. Absolutely. I, I agree with you, but I can kind of see why that might be. I feel like... Because here's the thing. I'm, let's not pretend that being a cop isn't a hard job. Because it, it certainly is. It certainly can be. You may or may not be walking into a life-threatening situation. You might just be pulling someone over for a broken taillight, but they got coke in the back, so they shoot you. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it's an easy cakewalk job and it's just the power is just being abused. But um, it, it, that's a fine line where you can't just excuse everything that they do. Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean is that right now we have this situation where Something happens, you know, there's an incident of police brutality, and instead of real consequences, what ends up happening is the officer is put on administrative leave, paid for, you know, a month. Uh, After the investigation concludes, either it's found to be, you know, he did something wrong, or she, it's possible, I haven't seen it yet, but it's possible, Um, did something wrong, and they tend to get demoted, to a desk job. Oh no, they're on a desk job. You know. I, I assume that comes with a pay cut, though. Yeah, probably. But it's also less dangerous. I mean, I can yeah. see where some would prefer that even. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if it's really egregious, it gets sent to a grand jury who almost unanimously decides not to press charges. Because they're police officers, and we give them a lot of deference. And we should give them deference, because it is a hard job. They have to use their discretion in every moment of every day to make sure that they don't violate someone's rights, that they don't kick someone's face in. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, I think people don't understand that, like, if a cop does use their gun, they have to go to counseling and stuff like that. I think they're already automatically put on, like, a six-week leave. They have to, like, go see a counselor because, I mean, some people don't realize that unless you're, like, a straight sociopath, taking somebody else's life, like, especially, like, pulling that trigger and killing somebody is, in fact, like, really tough to deal with so i mean it's not just like you know every cop is trigger happy and just going around killing people and facing no consequences i'm sure that cops who have had to take people's lives uh you know struggle with it and relive it like could i have done something differently you know did i make the right decision so it's not you know that they shoot him and then they get off scot-free there's still a lot of emotional consequences that go along with that i just think one of the issues and i don't actually know any police officers but i've read about it that this culture within police departments this sort of us versus them mentality that 
maybe at some point certain departments are just considering themselves separate or above the public which they serve, despite the fact that they are, in fact, part of the public. Public servants, yeah. technically. Well, and I think that's like, it goes back to the basic issue of what is the point of law enforcement? You know, police officers... I mean, their cars say it's to protect and serve. That's my point. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been to London. Yep. There are police officers on the street corner. They're not armed. They seem very friendly. They wear nice, bright yellow uniforms. <laughs> you can walk up to them and ask them for directions. And you don't have to be terrified. And I think in America, like, what happened to our police officers? Why are they a quasi-military force now? Because Wait. after the, was it Desert Storm in the 90s, there was a giant military surplus. And guess who didn't want to stop making money? Military contractors. You mean the military contractors that have control of our government? Yeah. So who do, they, who do you sell to when we're not at war? Well, the police need weapons. We'll just sell to them. So here police departments have tanks and assault weapons and full body gear. Because you need that. So what is your guys' opinion on cops being required to wear body cams? They should. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Great. I don't, what, so what is the opposing view on that then? That there's there's like two different things that people bring up. The first is that it makes it too easy to nitpick every single thing a cop does. But which we should be doing anyways. I was going to say we should be doing that. I mean, I mean, if they're doing something wrong, they should you know, be held accountable for the things that they're doing wrong. Using excessive force, anything like that. And I think the other problem that I'm guessing is that say something happens and for whatever reason their body cam is off, they're going to be automatically assumed to be guilty because why would your camera be off if you weren't doing anything wrong? Not necessarily by like a court, but by the court of like the people's opinion. The other thing that people have brought up is that with body cameras, cops are no longer allowed to be um, discretionary and how they deal with low-level crimes. Like if you catch someone with a tiny bit of weed. But I mean, I assume the body cams are only going to be looked at if something happens. And not monitored 24 This is what the people who are against them say. And I think that if it's a low-level crime, then it's well within a police officer's discretion to say, you know what, he's going to learn this lesson just for me scaring the pants off of him. I was going to say, if you catch a kid with, you know, maybe like a handful of stolen candy and you're holding him there and he's pissed his pants because he's so afraid... I think the kids learned his lesson. Well, here's the thing, too. I used to be a criminal justice major. That was my first major when I went to college. I was eventually going to go to law school. Watching Ethan go through it, glad I didn't take that route. However, I did have to take a policing class. And do you know what I learned in that class? Police have discretion. He said it, I don't know, three times every single class period. That is the one thing that I took away from that class is that police have discretion. I got that one. And, I mean, they. you're right. They should. They have the kid with a pocket full of stolen candy who's, like, shaking and terrified. You find someone with, like, a small amount of weed, which is not even, to me, a big deal. Um, I absolutely think you should have discretion. And I don't think that you're harming society as a whole by letting some kid off who, you know, bought an ounce of weed to smoke by himself. Or, was, you know, speeding down an empty road to impress a girl or something. Right. <laughs> Tell him not to do that again, because it's dangerous. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Don't throw the book but, at him. But, I mean, I've seen police officers say they're in favor of body cameras. Because well, yeah, because then when something bad happens and they didn't do anything wrong, they have something to back exactly them up. Exactly right. Because it's always a he, he said, she said type of situation. And with a camera, it's, there's Black video and white. Yep, yep. Actually, there was a great example of this, a video that went viral of a woman who claimed that she was beaten by a police officer. He had a dash cam? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, actually, I think he had a body camera. And it turns out that he was very nice, very polite, and she's like, I'm going to tell everyone you beat the crap out of me. And you can just imagine this guy chuckling on the inside. <laughs> You know, being like, all right, ma'am, uh, you, like, you whatever. So, can I just throw in a, a brief statement that some of my favorite 
videos on the internet are sovereign citizens oh, interacting with police so officers. So fun to watch. Oh my god. Am I being detained? Am I being detained? Yes. Was it the was it some woman trying to cross the border from Canada into the United States without actually going through the border guard? She drove around it. They pulled her over and then she continued to try and walk through the border and they tased her. Yeah, don't mess with people at the border, man. They have all the discretion in the world to do whatever they need to do. Yep. Um, I, just, mean, I can't imagine who thinks it's a good idea to bypass border security, especially in these times. You, like, know, you know what the problem is? Is when I get uncomfortable, I tend to make jokes to lighten the mood. You know when that's not a good idea, dealing with police enforcement or border control or TSA at the airport? I, I've never done it, but if I get uncomfortable, my reaction is to make jokes, and I, I can just see that getting me, getting me into trouble someday. I don't think that's actually that big a deal. I feel like... As long as you don't be like, I have a bomb. Ha ha ha, just kidding. Like, that's yeah, gonna no, get you in trouble. That's very stupid. But if you just try to be like, you know, uh, say you get chosen for a random pat-down or something like that. I'm white, so that's not gonna happen, but okay. Well, <laughs> you know, nevertheless, one of us gets chosen for a random pat-down. It's happened to me. Um... Oh, I remember that when we were in Amsterdam, they check that you have to go through security again when you're uh, just connecting flights because they want to make sure you didn't pick anything up because it's Amsterdam. And uh, he had his like lanyard underneath his sweatshirt and they, they're like, oh, what is that? What is that? And then they patted him down. It was really hilarious. Continue. Sorry. I thought it was a really funny story. Why was I wearing a lanyard? It had like your idea. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I put all my through. stuff. Yep. Yeah, okay. That was hilarious. Um, But like say you're getting patted down and you make a joke like, hey, can you at least buy me dinner first yeah. like they're gonna laugh That's or okay. they're gonna think it's not funny and move on like or it's they're not... gonna have heard of it five thousand times that well day. yeah i mean like but the point is like that's not a sign of being guilty like everyone's a little nervous when they have to step through some sort of security i just mean if i ever got selected for a pat down i i mean i could just see myself saying something dumb like trying to make a joke and it's just going terribly for me that that just makes me nervous but it's not that bad. I mean, you're also white, know? so don't worry about That's it. That's true. I, I'm the half white one, but I, I look white enough. And I have this lovely North Dakotan accent, so I mean. Yeah, sure, you betcha. But aren't you the one who someone once called, uh, like, the Mexican waitress on the internet or something? Yes, and also, I would like to point out, and people crucified me for saying this, but when we went to vote... Uh, oh, yeah. Bro- oh, yeah. Brian, Brian got his ballot. They checked his ID, said, here you go, sir. Checked Ethan's, checked his ID, handed him a ballot. Here you go, sir. I get up to the the thing, hands her my ID. Are you an American citizen? Yes. But I did happen to notice you didn't ask any of the other white people in line, just me. And I wasn't mad. I just kind of thought it was funny. But it was irritating to me how many people, they asked me too. Yeah, I'm sure they did ask the occasional white person. But I guarantee you they asked more brown people. And I just thought it was funny. Like, I wasn't mad. I was more mad at people telling me, like, I had no right to be upset. I was like, I'm not upset. I think it's funny. You can't tell me that that's not weird. I should have just sat down in a chair nearby and watched for an hour to actually see who they ask and who they don't. That does bother me. (laughs) <laughs> but can I say that it doesn't bother me as much because I know that all the people who work at the polls are old and therefore racist. They were old. They were old and they were racist. Yeah. But like old, old people racist, which is like old white ladies. And it was an old white lady yeah. too. Um, We have the same last name. So you think they would have been like made the connection? I don't know. But yeah. I mean, you might I, like not I said, have been I a U.S. citizen. I was mostly entertained. It takes three years to become a U.S. citizen after marrying a U.S. citizen, so. Yeah, she was definitely not a U.S. citizen with the, that thick North Dakotan accent. Right? Well, I'm just saying. You know what? I'm well, it surprised. Just, it makes me laugh because I was born and raised in this town. And I guarantee you if I had my maiden name, because people know who my dad is in this town, there would have been no question. But because they didn't recognize my last name and I'm slightly brown, 
And it was, it was, bolding is November, so I was still pretty tan from the summer. So, I thought that was funny. Um, That's the closest thing to racism I've ever experienced, to be honest. I'm surprised no one's ever asked me if I'm French or Canadian, you know, like, that's what my last name looks like. So. But you're white and have a North Dakota accent. Canadians have the same accent. You know what's weird? When I was at the airport in France, they asked my best friend and I, my best friend, by the way, who is literally, her skin is the color of sour cream. She is as white as can be, has almost like white blonde hair. I am half brown and have dark hair. Asked if we were sisters. And I was like, no. You could be adopted. They don't know. That's what she said. Huh? But we also have different last names. Like, I don't know what logic that person was using to ask us if we were sisters. And I was, But of course, me being dumb was like, sorority sisters, haha. Mari's like, shut up. <laughs> Sorry, I, I tend to make jokes because I didn't know what to say because I thought it was a really stupid question. Sorry. It's my very limited experience. With uh, I will say, Ethan, though, they may have this... Canadians, especially from Central Canada, may have the same accent, but when you hear them describe certain things, you know they're Canadian. Oh, I mean... They call the it the washroom. When you're, when, you're, when, you're, like, when you're exposed to Canadians every day of your life. Some serviettes and some cutlery. I, I can pick out a Canadian faster than I can pick out a Mexican. I, mean, I can't we, tell the difference between Native Americans and Mexicans. Maya, my friend who is from Standing Rock, tells me there is no difference. At one point, they were just like, here's the border, you are Mexicans, you are Natives, and that they're like the same. It's largely the same. The Though a little untrue, because there's a lot of Spanish descent in Mexico also, for very rapey reasons. I mean, the, but my point still stands that I have a hard time telling the difference. I don't. I, I just know that you're brown, and you have really nice silky hair. Both Fun of you. fact, there's also a lot of French descent in Native Americans, because very rapey reasons. Called the uh, Métis. If I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. They're called the Mate. Mate. Uh, M-E-T-I-S. Oh. Sounded like you said like matey, like, no, no, like mating. Matey. Like, ha, that's funny. Well, you're welcome for me taking you off topic literally the entire session. You're welcome. Yeah, that's okay. I needed you to carry this session anyways. I'm tired and, you know, not feeling full I was going to say, uh, any discussion of police brutality ultimately leads to discussions of fascism and... Our topic today for world history was literally Nazi Germany, so... Well, and like, like I said, the other problem is that white, white, and mostly white, we have never had bad interactions with the cops. Also... That is not true. I have had a bad I was going to say, I've had bad interactions with, with cops. When have you ever had a bad interaction with I got with pulled cop? over by university police. He was a twat. Well, that's the UND police. They're, that's a whole different ballgame. My point is, we never had, like, a very, very bad, like, horrible interaction, because we're white, white, and mostly white, and live in, you know a really nice town for the most part. Whereas if we were, you know, ethnic youths in like a suburb of New York, probably would have a less pleasant interaction with law enforcement. I mean, I, I, I did have one state trooper basically accuse me of, you know, being high on meth and trying what to... What that? Oh, this happened. I was a freshman in college. Uh. But you didn't... You- didn't you like miss a stop sign or roll a stop sign? No. Wasn't... So I described this to you. Both um, the car I drive has incredibly large support beams on the sides oh, of the windshield. Yep. I remember. Very, very thick, and they're very hard to see through. And the, the the car was at the perfect distance and at the perfect angle that I did not see it when I came to a full stop at the stop sign. So I turned. Turns out there was a cop car behind it. And the thing is, is you know, I still had plenty of time to pull out. I just got confused, so I didn't pull out as quickly as I could have. And so he pulled me over. Hmm. And immediately accused you of being on meth? Yeah, he thought I was on meth. That's weird. He sounds yeah. like a straight trooper with nothing better to do with his time. Are you on drugs today? Sir, sir, are you on drugs today? 
Huh? Do you want to tell me? You're on drugs, aren't you? You know, if I search this car, am I going to find some drugs? Uh, no, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, can slow blinking a police officer be considered... Uh, I mean... Yeah. Disrespectful? Maybe a little bit, but that'd be really hard to prove. What, what did he do? He blinked really slowly at me. Okay. I mean, the closest to, like, a bad interaction, I got pulled over one time because it was really snowing, and literally the night before, I'd slid through an intersection. So I was going, like, maybe 15 or 20 miles an hour instead of 25, because I also had a rear-wheel drive car at the time. And I got pulled over, and she asked me if I was drunk, because it was 2 in the morning, and I was like, no, it's just really icy out, and I have a rear-wheel drive. So, I don't know. Well, I'm out of beer, so... Any any last thoughts? You want to wrap us up? Uh, police brutality is bad, and don't participate in it. And, Especially and if you're not law enforcement. <laughs> as I've said for like the last three episodes, don't be an asshole. Also important. Before we go, I'd also like to give a short shout out to Soundation that uh, let us made that really cool intro outro for free, and also Audacity that lets us record and edit our podcasts. Next week, we will be talking about a fun topic: conspiracy theories. Any any in particular, or just no? You're gonna have to wait and find out. But ah, darn it! Some of them will be absolutely ridiculous, and some of them will be kind of plausible. Uh, we're all gonna come up with a couple, and it'll just be a really fun time discussing some things that people think and are really stupid. That so. sounds really fun. Um, you can find us at iTunes, Google, or Stitcher. And uh, you know what? I said darn it earlier. I forgot. This is the adult content episode. So you know what? Have a damn good week.